High Nights! Well met and welcome, you travelers, to High Nights. My name is Ross, your resident game master, and I am joined by Takoda, my best friend and player main. Together we strive to improve your tabletop experience with fresh new ideas and plenty of crazy details. To raise more banners in the High Knight's name, remember to subscribe and follow us on your podcasting platform. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon platforms. You can also visit us at highknightspodcast.com. That's Knights with a K. Wherever you find us, let's muster some more fans for the cause. Thanks again for listening, and now here's what you've all been waiting for. Hi, and welcome back to High Nights. This is Ross and Dakota, and for some reason, I am just so drowsy, and I'm not as hype, I'm not as hip and popping as I usually am when I come to the recording room, you know? Yeah, I'm exhausted, too. We uh, we did get really blitzed beforehand. Right, exactly. So, um, hey, you listeners, uh, thanks for always tuning in. I know that we missed a week, but uh, we've got a lot going on in our lives, so we're going to keep trying to upload on Thursdays regularly whenever possible. But that being said, of the crazy hijinks that we've been involved in lately, one of them was a spectacular episode that we all enjoyed together, and part of it was because in our playgroup for our Starfinder, campaign uh one of our players decided to bring like this whole jar of jungle juice jam and fruit over we basically filled a whole vessel with alcohol vodka sugar lemons shook it up and then we all partook of this hedonistic trove and we just got slammed that's what we're recovering from right now yeah man then uh playing the session under the influence was a trip for sure Right, yeah, like, I had to storytell while I was high and drunk. I was just loaded. I decided to fly by the seat of my pants because I didn't really have any food for yesterday anyway. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, I didn't eat a single thing before and I wasn't expecting to drink at all. Dude, isn't that terrible? Like, I, th I feel like we torture ourselves, you know? <laughs> it sucks because when you show up to a game night, or at least for me, when I get to game night, it's kind of my extra 150% for the day because I work the entire day and then I only have two hours to cobble everything together and then boom, it's game time. Gotta put everything away, gotta get it all online and then let's go. Live in the fantasy. That just takes a lot out of me. And for some reason I'm a dummy and I don't eat food the whole day. Yeah, I just skip lunch usually of work, I don't get a break, you know? Right, yeah, so you work in the kitchen, don't need to specify where, but like, uh, what are your eating habits like throughout the day? So it depends on my shift. If I'm working early in the morning, which is more often, I get a chance to eat uh, while I'm opening office, which is fine. But if I'm through the day, I'm not eating. Yeah. You know, uh, I just don't have enough bodies and stuff to give people a break, you know? Yeah. So I usually get home and I gorge. I eat all my calories in right. one meal. <laughs> you have one giant meal. That's actually yeah. my lifestyle too. I'm guessing a lot of people of our age group kind of do that, but uh, as a delivery driver, I am in charge of all of my stops and my breaks. I can take them whenever I want, but there's a catch because Nomaza likes to really give me a set of scheduled stops and I have to arrive there at certain times. So depending on the day, 
I might not be allowed to take a lunch break until after eight hours solid of working because I have to make it to each scheduled stop on time. So that's why I don't eat all day. Then I come home and then I finally gorge myself just like you. Like you just have like the super dinner. Yep, just keep eating. <laughs> you gotta keep eating. That's like, we gotta take care of ourselves so that we can be the best when we bring all of that energy to game night. And it's so hard to do when we juggle all of our daily lives. Like when you guys are at the table, when you are imagining together in Dungeons and Dragons or whatever game, you are exerting a lot of energy. Like, sometimes you get bushed after a game. At least I do. Get tired, yeah. Yeah, I put a lot of work into it. I think even like mentally draining is worse than being physically drained. Right, yeah. Because now you just can't do anything. <laughs> You just can't, and like a lot of that is, uh, that's emotional stress, that's emotional uh, exercise that you're going through when you put on a personality and act that out. It's like uh, people like my wife who are kind of learning the game, they are learning how to uh, express themselves, how to be that character, but that takes a lot out of them. So they have to stay focused, they have to be involved in the game, and everyone has their limits separately. I just find it fascinating to watch people grow and build like themselves, but uh, we got to take care of ourselves better we can create that environment i have one energy drink i'll have maybe like a croissant sandwich i have that in the morning five in the morning and then eight hours later absolutely nothing if i do stop somewhere it's just like a slim gym yeah. and some pizza rolls it's a sad life man you know part of the fantasy is that when you're in the swords and sorcery landscape you get eight hours of rest <laughs> You get to be well rested for the day. Yeah, well, they make their own schedule too. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna adventure at noon today. You know? <laughs> it's like I, I gotta get up at 4 a.m. to go to work every day. Bro, I'm tired over here. <laughs> what if at the adventurer guild you have an adventurer hourly time punch and you're just Dude. like, oh, I'm the 11 to 7 uh, goblin cave splurging <laughs> mission, you know? You're like, oh, geez, the sunrise sunset shit. Yeah, in our uh, town, that probably is how it's done. You gotta punch in and punch out. Yeah. <laughs> um, super bad anime title. I swear to God, it sounds bad. Just look it up. It has not. It's not bad. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, how to pick up girls in a dungeon. Oh yeah, how okay. to pick up girls in a Pretty, dungeon. It's a good anime, actually. Anyway, right. they have an adventurer's guild, and that's how it works, is you got a time clock, and you have to punch in and punch out. And oh. if you're off the clock, then you're not an adventurer. You're an illegal adventurer. Oh, that's crazy. It's like crazy. a legal system, and they're using them as like the police, essentially. And I never thought about cool. it that way. Holy shit. That's a cool, unique concept, I thought. That's a really cool concept. Yeah, I like that a lot. There's other animes that work in that, too, in the sense of uh, Goblin Slayer has a lot of the ability of the people be tied to how your character mechanics would work. Spellcasters have a set number of spells per day that they have to pick from, and yeah. then there's stuff like that that they kind of reference. It's just so funny to take mundane aspects from life and then put them into your game in the sense of, are the monsters employed in the dungeon? Do they have a relationship <laughs> where they're paid by the big bad evil guy? <laughs> yeah, it's or is it a, uh, it's the dungeon, so it could just be a, uh, what is it? Symbiotic relationship? Or a whatever? symbiotic relation, yeah. Yeah, they're getting fed. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that, that explains a few monsters. Like, uh, there is uh, the gelatinous cube. Yeah, That's basically cube. your Roomba. That thing goes across your dungeon and it cleans all of the floor of uh, adventurers and all items in there. Yeah. It's so bad. Uh, if You're going to have to pay goblins, but if you raise skeletons from the dead, you don't have to pay them, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, necromancy. 
It's always the best minions. Necrism. <laughs> I'm too cheap to afford actual hirelings. You don't want anything strong enough that, or smart enough to overthrow you either. Oh yeah, that's you very know. true. In the sense of, uh, if you have an evil magister and they bind the will of a creature to a treasure hoard, you know, like the last monster at the bend of the dungeon. It's like, what usually guards the treasure pile? Is it a pet? Is it something you've employed? Imagine a king or something that has a lich and he thinks he's in charge of the lich. <laughs> but actually, the lich is in control of everything. Oh, absolutely. That'd be cool. Whoa, great idea, yeah. actually. <laughs> Hold up, so this lich actually has pumped the king full of so many false life spells that he believes that he's still alive, but he's been dead the whole time, which dead. is why the lich is puppeting all of his yeah, acts. He is the puppet, he acting the puppet. like an underling. Yeah, it's like the king is convinced that all of the decisions are his own decisions, but he's actually been dead for probably like five years. He's probably like very sickly and pale all the time and your players have to uncover that his servants powder his skin white all day long so that he doesn't lose color because yeah. he's actually a walking corpse. You could have cool shit like that at play. That'd be cool as hell, dude. And then the secret boss reveal. That'd be dope too. The secret boss reveal. Undead Elon Musk. Elon Musk, no. It's those capitalists, man. It's just like I was saying with the punch cards and you and I having tough times at work. It's like... Whoa! Who's in control here? It's the rich people. Yeah. There has to be like a capitalist lich. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos come out of the woodwork getting ready to box you. <laughs> you walk around the corner and a Bezos docks you. This kind of reminds me of the Frankenstein bad guy that we came up with before. <laughs> Someone rich and powerful and undead. But to that effect, like... Who's to say that you can't just be assaulted by a celebrity from the fantasy world in the sense of what if your party is attacked by actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Dude, <laughs> you give him a play name. Yeah. Like just turn their name around slightly. <laughs> yeah, you just got... Give it a slant name. You got so... kidnapped by, uh, what's his face, Indiana Jones yeah. or Harrison Ford. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what part of a dungeon mastering is, is that you're borrowing ideas from here and there. So if you have a hard time imagining what people look like, just imagine your favorite actors playing all the roles of the characters in your uh, imagination. I, I think it would be hilarious to fight Shia LaBeouf. I saw a stat block run by by him. I, like, apparently, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf is like a CR5 monster, so you can throw him against a bunch of low-level characters in like a camp crystal lake murder yeah. type scenario you just slowly pick them off one by one Ooh, that'd be spooky oh definitely dude it would be the unexpecting celebrities which would be the most fun because like you'd expect you know uh, jason statham or something but you wouldn't expect shia labeouf you know? yeah you wouldn't expect that <laughs> or have a uh Remember the brother to Will Smith in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Oh, yeah. Carlton. Carlton. <laughs> Carlton comes out and kicks your ass. Or Steve Carell is the karate <laughs> master. Will Ferrell <laughs> suplexes you. <laughs> you're trying to find answers as to why you're being attacked, and the only NPC nearby you can rely on is Urkel, who's cowering <laughs> in the corner. He's hiding. He's hiding. I don't know about that, man. I need to get out of here. <laughs> Uh, Full House, the combat encounter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, I would definitely have John Stamos in the middle of a fighter ring. I would dude, dress him up as a gladiator. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'd probably beat Steve Carell. 
<laughs> I don't know. That just turns into the Superman fight scenario. Like, who would win, you know? Yeah. Put them up against each other. Seth Rogen or Will Ferrell, who wins? <laughs> <laughs> I think Seth Rogen's got it. You know, I <laughs> I think Seth has the advantage, but I'm going to put my money on Will Ferrell because I think that he's got, like, the wild card. He's got the you know? reach, too. He's tall. <laughs> he's tall, yes. He's a tall mofo. I'm sure that he could do some damage. He won't want to fight him again. <laughs> Seth Rogen's just the... He's just crazy. He's just going to be flailing around to do damage. <laughs> <laughs> He's the barbarian. I heard that he was going to play Donkey Kong in an upcoming Nintendo film, right? Dude, crazy. He's Donkey Kong. You've got uh, it's like Chris he, Pratt as Mario. Yeah, people in Charlie real life. Charlie Day yeah. is uh, Luigi. What the heck? Charlie Day is Jack Luigi. Jack Black is going to be Bowser. <laughs> what is this casting? This is real high budget movie. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of the money is going into this, which is why we're seeing all these prominent actors, you know. Yeah. We're all fans of them, but I don't feel like they fit any of those roles. It's so wild, the actors they chose, yeah. So who fucking cares? I mean, if Nintendo's going that, to do that, I heard you that, can do it. Did you know Nintendo actually bought uh, their own movie studio? Oh, did So they're they? a big movie brand now. Whoa. And they're, they're making uh, a Nintendo cinematic universe. They're going to do Metroid and stuff, and it's going to lead up to a Super Smash Bros. live-action oh, movie. Oh, shit. It's actually really cool. That's actually amazing. Yeah. A Smash movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's going to be a whole thing. Anyway. <sighs> So that's, that's great cool. yeah Off topic that, no it's fine i <laughs> i can just keep bringing you back on topic because uh there's a sense of um here i'll jump to a different tangent did you know that uh some dungeon masters have pet characters uh some of you listeners may be familiar but also some dungeon masters really like a character when they go through a campaign and if you finish a campaign think about who the party's favorite character was you know it might be Borkle the goblin who followed them along on their whole journey you know everyone gets a happily ever after but some of these characters might come back or return and if you have a sequel to your campaign then you have an opportunity to use them in that same universe and some people just kind of take them copy paste them and move them about throughout all their tales that's all well and fine. That's why we take our fun little actors as like icons, and then you can kind of imagine them and use them as a base template for how you would act out this character, you know? It's like Jack Black is a bard. If you need a yeah, bard wow. king, if you want to throw someone in the middle of the jungle who happens to be like a a banjo-wielding sorcerer, then you just put Jack Black there. And then that's your encounter when everyone gets teleported to the jungles of Chult. Why not? Jim Carrey rogue? That shit would be <laughs> funny as hell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's like doing all those stupid movements to hide, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, I've heard of this plot before in the sense of uh, a fun little beginning encounter for your players is that you bring them to a, a robbery situation. You tell the party, okay, there's been a disturbance in town. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Littlefoot have been, they've been spooked because a robber went in and broke all their things. The party goes off, finds this house. They interact with the uh, the housekeepers. They're like these dirty little halflings. They are just like mortified that they've been robbed, but they're also delirious and a little bit crazy. And as your players find out and look through all the clues, they find out that this couple are just 
an insane pair of squatters. They just happened to believe that they were the original owners of this house and they've been what? squatting there this entire time. So you flip the whole mystery on its head by finding out they were the robbers this entire time. They just hit their heads and had amnesia. And you have to put together the the mystery of what happened to them as you walk throughout the house. What the heck? Yeah. So like, That's pretty cool. You just pick two insane actors that you're really fond of, put them in some of those roles. I never even would have thought of that. It's clever. Uh, it's, it's a bit hard to pull off. You have to make sure that you leave a bunch of clues. Like you have to lay out the cookie trail and then your players will make those connections as they continue to adventure through the house. Yeah. After the third or fourth clue, it better be blatantly obvious, you know? Did you hear that they fixed the ranger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, they did fix the ranger. Maybe they listened to the podcast. I wish that they did, but yes. Uh, so Unearthed Arcana came out and realized uh, the ranger revised. So now a lot of these abilities have been updated. For example, uh, they have a fighting style now that they can pick from. Natural Explorer gives you advantage against people who haven't acted in your favorite terrain. Favored enemy deals more damage to your favored enemy, the type of monster that you're trying to hunt down. Uh, there's more to it, but what I can see here is that there's been an obvious buff to Rangers. Like, they've not been completely overhauled or reworked. It just looks like they've added some light revisions to make the class more combat savvy. And that's fine. I'm just happy enough to have a ranger that you can actually play as a true damage dealer, somewhat close to Aragorn or other rangers that you might imagine, you know? Like, so they're actually cool. Yeah, so that they're you actually know? cool. Rangers, it's like, I can't really put my finger on any rangers except for rangers that come from the Lord of the Rings series, you know? Yeah. It's almost like that class demographic is only exhibited there. Other than that, you're just watching Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, like, not as great. <laughs> not as great, you know? It's like, Russell Crowe has big fighter energy, you know? Yeah. Like, I watched him in Gladiator, and I'm just like, okay, he's a Battlemaster fighter. That makes sense to me. But then they have him casted as Robin Hood, and it's gritty and dark, and I'm just like, he's just a fighter with a bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't buy it yet. Give him a metal bow, and it's also a melee weapon. Right, right. Detached thought, but when we were talking about Mario, Seth Rogen was Donkey Kong in that film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why he's a barbarian. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the joining idea, Everyone kind of has a character about them, and those characters exhibit class traits, so you can kind of slot them wherever you need to. So yeah, Ranger is always going to suffer from the duality of it's a third spellcaster, and it's kind of devoted as a damage dealer, but they can't step up to the plate like a fighter or a cleric even can. Ranger is better? Ranger still isn't going to be a top tier class, but I think it's playable now. I encourage everybody to give it a chance. I encourage people to actually try new things. I was working on a ranger once he was gonna be a swarm keeper ranger. And uh, the funny thing about this ranger is that he was a beekeeper ranger. And uh, oh yeah, he was uh, gonna wear a whole hive across his face like a helmet. Yes, he was going to be uh, the hive knight. And basically whenever he would get angry, his beehive mask would buzz because it's full of all the bees. And then I would intimidate people with bees flying out of my face. What the heck? 
So I just wanted to go for like a scare tactics woodlands attacker. And uh, whenever I went to combat, I could summon the bee swarm around me and attack with them. And they could deal damage and push and pull people around the battlefield. Rangers are quirky. They have that jack of all trades, master of none type thing, even though they're not as good as bards in that facet. I just wish they were practical. I think that they're going to become more practical. I think that at least they can hold up themselves in combat now, so people can survive long enough with a ranger to decide to do something better with them. To multi-class To multi-class. Or like, you know, we can keep allowing more modifications, more unearthed arcana or allotments from the dungeon master. I have been putting guns in my other campaign, my Wednesday game, I've actually been adding guns like flintlocks and muskets and stuff to their fictional universe because I kind of believe the end of uh, the plate mail century started with uh, the guns and black powder industry. Yeah. Like that was a really close point in time in history. So I start to trickle a few guns in and if your ranger could rock with a gun out, I think that'd be crazy. You gotta be able to put the uh, the artificer to shame to some respect, because even though they have flashy alchemical displays, you should just be a dead shot with your musket. Well, guns make sense in history too, because uh, guns were invented and in use uh, well, the last samurai was still actually alive. Oh, yeah. Like actual samurai culture. So if you have a campaign that fits samurai, then you can easily have one that fits guns, too. Yes, exactly. That's very true. In the sense of uh, there was a point in time about the span of 80 years where a samurai could have sent a telegram to Abraham yeah, Lincoln. Yes, exactly. Because they all existed at the same point in time. Because when you really think about time like that, it, uh everything kind of flows together a lot closer than you think that's you know? the worldly perspective that everyone needs to kind of garner for themselves it's hard for us to understand our own history it may seem daunting when you come up with your own fantasy history but as long as you have an overarching plot it's pretty fun to develop lore for yourself and that's why you have dwayne johnson as uh, a genie an old god locked away in the bowels of a sandy tomb or whoever else you would like to have feature in your Dungeons and Dragons you just You just described Maui. Oh yeah, was I did. Oh, it was fucking Maui. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Literally word for word. From freaking Moana. <laughs> that was funny. Dwayne the Rock Johnson no, you're right. did do See, that. <laughs> it's been imprinted on me. That's why I'm taking that. I'm like, I think I'm original, but no, that idea was fed to me. <laughs> Originality is false. That's why I'm taking Dwayne Johnson as a template and just slapping him on the first thing I think about, you know? Yeah, because why not? Why Dwayne not? Dwayne the Rock Johnson as like a notorious well, pirate. That should <laughs> be cool. Why not? Right, right. But also like, uh, think about actors who have played similar roles in the sense of Dwayne Johnson was Maui, but then in the Aladdin remake, you have something like Will Smith, who was the genie, you know? Oh, yeah. Two semi-godly beings, you know, and thinking about how those actors play those characters, you know? Yeah. I think that there's a lot that you can kind of compare and contrast, a lot that you can weigh around, because the people that you are attracted to, the personalities you like most, that's a reflection of you. There are some quirky, uh, like Bill Murray as a shopkeep would be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. That'd be, that'd be pretty wild. Oh, Stuff dude. Stuff like that. 
Sometimes I have to bite my tongue and resist doing Shrek's voice sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. if I ever need to roleplay a Scotsman or some big burly fighter from the north, then I, like, I gotta pull out my really weak Scottish accent and I just kind of butcher it. It's pretty bad. <laughs> That'll do, donkey. That'll do, donkey. That'll do. <laughs> but that's oh, what I get God. for watching Shrek over and over and over again. <laughs> Thank Shrek's you, Mike Myers. Shrek is just a D&D campaign in itself. It really is. Oh my god. Yeah. There's tons of movies like that. Like The Princess Bride, a whole D&D game. Uh, did we ever talk about the classes for the Shrek characters? Like, what would their classes be? No. Okay. Shrek so, is a fighter. Shrek, you believe, is a fighter? Uh, either a barbarian or a fighter. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so Shrek is a barbarian, or I see him as a champion fighter, where he's just really simple and straightforward. Yeah. Uh, Fiona is a monk she knows fucking she's kung, kung fu, fu and yes. her her magics like talking to animals and shit she's gotta be <laughs> a, a monk she just happened to really want to talk to animals she just has that as a feat yeah. uh donkey is the bard donkey's the bard yeah <laughs> and then uh puss in boots puss in boots he's gotta be a fighter too wouldn't puss be the rogue he's not a good one right. he's never succeeded <laughs> at anything you're right, you're right. He's more like a swashbuckler fencer, yeah. right? Yeah. I was thinking like a just a fencer, but put a spin on the fighter, you know? He's got a, a rapier. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, my only reasoning was that if you are that small rogue, then you get sneak attack damage every single goddamn turn. If he just was sneaky, <laughs> he'd probably flex about <laughs> being able to do that and then never pull it off. He'd be like, pray for mercy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he heard me. <laughs> he heard me again. It doesn't help that in the fourth film he turns into a giant fat ball. <laughs> yeah. The dragon is a dr dragon. The dragon is a dragon. <laughs> just a dragon. It's dude. just a red dragon. But like, how does a donkey fuck a dragon? <laughs> Gingerbread man is a golem. Gin Wait, Gingerbread man, Gingy, yeah, he's a golem, but he's actually a barbarian. Yeah. If you remember, really? after uh, the time shift, they showed Gingy in like this candy coliseum. He was like in a food basket and he was battling shit with a lollipop battle axe. Like he was going crazy. He is a barbarian for so sure. He's a barbarian and the giant one he rides on is your goal. <laughs> They're a pair boss fight. Yeah, Mongo. Oh, dude. <laughs> I would love to just attack my players with a bunch of animated gingerbread cookies. <laughs> That'd be so funny. That would be hilarious. You know, you could have or they'd like... be like, oh, how cute. And then they start fucking them up. Like, oh, <laughs> shit, these things hit hard as hell. That would be a great way to introduce, like, a sweet old grandma as a bad guy. Yeah. And she's, like, a witch who invites you all in. And she's like, they're almost done. Pulls them out of the oven. And they just start arising as an army. Yeah. You get attacked by... 20 gingerbread barbarians dude well imagine being sent there as a mini quest to like get money from her taxes or something right and you know <laughs> she's gonna play dumb and end up refusing and then that's gonna be the end you think you're better than her and then all gingerbread monsters come out of nowhere right yeah <laughs> they start jumping out of pots and shit it's a defense system <laughs> You'd have your little enchanted gnome statue to let you know when they're coming, and yeah. then you just sort of like start the oven. <laughs> that shit would be so funny. Just have to stall. <laughs> She's got little hamburger helpers in her basement. <laughs> oh no, grandma's kitchen. <laughs> oh no. I'm trying to think of who would play this actor, you know? The old lady? Yeah, the old lady. Betty White. Betty White. <laughs> Just, uh, dude, she'd do a good job, too. Rip she'd peace. Be, she'd be sweet and kind and nice and then get, like, sadistic. Like, 
when that happens, I'm sure that she'll keep staying sweet and wonderful as a grandma, you know. Yeah, just she like, just doesn't care about the carnage. She doesn't <laughs> care. She's just like, take it easy, dear. Just let it happen. Oh, he got cut in half. I'll have to pick that up later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call management about that stain. <laughs> yeah. Do try not to get blood on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stupid. That's <laughs> funny, though. I think we had some fun talking about just, uh, we did the same thing, kind of putting Magic the Gathering into Dungeons and Dragons. And I asked you, like, what did you think was the relationship between your commander monsters? And, like, what did you think was the story there? Yeah, having a cool backstory for your commander. I don't know. I had Ikra Shadiki and Ragroka. Yeah. And uh, their whole thing is uh, one of them's a usurper and a trickster, and the other leads an army of kobolds. So she's like manipulating the kobolds into doing her bidding. Right, yeah. Ikra and it's being, kind of Voltron y. Ikra being this uh, illustrious Naga woman talking down to a lowly kobold warrior yeah. and managed to bring him into this scheme, this fold. It's actually a pretty good deck, too. That's a fun deck, yeah. Yeah, I've connected with that one. Like, partner commanders are cool. My partner commanders are just two girls who happen to live in the woods together and they just kill vampires and werewolves all day. In fact, uh, the magic storyline written for it isn't exactly appealing. Like, I got through it. It was okay, there was some murder mystery at hand, but they found out, oh, the werewolves were actually good, they should be working with them. I just can't really imagine any personalities inside both of those characters. Yeah. They were very bland, you know? A really cool mechanic I haven't really played with yet, but it goes along the idea, is the new background mechanic in Magic the Gathering. Oh, right. Because it's just like having partner commanders, except instead of another partner, it's a legendary enchantment. Yeah. That's in your command zone. But they're really cool. Like, the background will say something like, uh, you were raised by giants, your commander gets plus 10, plus 10. Yes, exactly. Like, that just yeah. adds lore to your deck that you didn't even know you could do. Theme the deck around it, too, if you wanted. Have a strong deck that's just fun. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot, too, in the sense of some card combinations. You're like, uh, so-and-so, this dragon wizard, who is also a dragon cultist, and you build, like, a dragon deck like yeah. that. That's just the fun of them mixing... Uh, in Magic the Gathering, they're mixing Dungeons and Dragons elements into that card game. So that's why we get all these cards with these fun characters on them. It's like, I kind of wish I could make my personal characters into a Magic the Gathering card. Like, we could just turn it the other way. That's always really cool, too. And to find a card that resonates with a character that you play as is a lot of fun, too. Yeah, right. Like, I just like mixing and mashing all of these different formats together. In fact, uh, I never told you this, but back in college, I sat and schemed for quite some time. I had this harebrained idea that I could actually take Magic the Gathering and communicate it to a Dungeons & Dragons format. In the sense of, imagine that while you're playing the game, you have a set number of lands, and this counts as your energy to cast spells. And then uh, you would have some spells that, depending on their mana, you would cast them. And even though they have a rule for Magic the Gathering, you give them a Dungeons and Dragons rule. For example, Murderous Cut, you know, just like a damage spell. Yeah. If you play that card in the card game, it deals damage to a creature. But out of that, you actually stab a bitch. You have like this unblockable attack that you can use against someone and you can surprise around go into combat like that. That's pretty cool. You could also have, what about naturalize? In the game, that spell destroys an artifact or enchantment. What if in Dungeons and Dragons, naturalize has an effect along the lines of, oh, there's these, uh, 
these old stone pillars that block a vault and I'm going to naturalize them so that the lock is disintegrated. Yeah. What you got to think outside the box like that, you know. Get rid of artifacts, maybe dispel magic that's binding something. Oh yeah. One time you <laughs> You could get carried away because there's spells like remove soul. <laughs> just fucking kill a bitch. That's just a counter spell in the card game, but yeah. <laughs> if you just removed soul on someone, you got to have a ban list obviously. Yeah. This would have to be heavily tailored, but I studied there and I tried and tried and tried to figure out some way that I could communicate both of those mechanics together. Dude, I would just be a curse of bloodletting so my opponents take double damage and then I would just box them. <laughs> my punches hit with double the force. Well, you just killed me with that card last game. <laughs> I did. It's fun. And for those of you who don't play Magic Gathering, just, just listen to those words. Curse of bloodletting. Like, what does that do to your body? Do you just start <laughs> bleeding everywhere? Do you just you start... take double damage. Does your skin become paper and you bleed at the slightest <laughs> touch of something? You don't have to understand the card game to kind of get this idea we're pitching at you. Yeah. You can do this with any other games that you're a fan of. I mean, that's why you have board game geeks like uh, our friend Connor who will show up with a board game all about rolling dice and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, literally a dice board game. That was interesting. A board game where you're just customizing dice. You're leveling yeah. up and changing dice, you know? And to sure, win. <laughs> it, yeah, we roll dice already in Dungeons and Dragons, but most of the time you sit around and then you roll a d20 once or twice. You're not really grabbing the damage yeah. dice most of the time, you know? Just have fun with it. The game is so custom, you can kind of mix and mash and put anything you like in there. You can inject your own essence of pizzazz. Make the game whatever kind of game you want it to be. Having a game within a game could be fun too. Oh, like yeah. have your players play a game. <laughs> I don't know, I think that could be interesting. Well, have you played The Witcher 3? Yes. So you You're know talking how... about Gwent? Gwent, yeah. yes. That's a game within That's a game. Fun. And it's not even like most games would like let you play a little bit of something and then you're done. That's an entire game. Like you can play The Witcher 3 and have to only play that game. Right, yeah. It's pretty crazy. It doesn't even have to be like, you don't have to come up with your own game. Think it about- It doesn't have to be nuts. It doesn't like, have to be nuts. What if your player just did an Uno off with somebody else? <laughs> you know, like that gambling. You just do a quick round of blackjack. Dude, anyone can do like, that. You know That's I mean? actually really simple and easy. It's easy and you just you just made a little mini game. Like, why not? You're like, okay guys, I'm not a professional poker player, even though you wish I was. So I'm gonna substitute Uno and Uno, we'll exactly. pretend that our characters playing cards. Ah, we should do that sometime. That'd be fun. That's what I I'm would saying. totally do that. Wouldn't okay. that be fun? See, I was gonna say that there was one one shot I did for a pirate game, and I had them play Dead Man's Dice. If you've ever played that game, you know you. Okay, so Dead Man's Dice is a guessing game and a lying game where everybody has a set number of dice, six-sided dice. They shake up in a cup, and then they throw it down on the table, and you kind of peek at your dice to see what values you have. The number of a face and the quantity of a face determine your bid and how important it is in the sense of a uh, higher number outweighs a uh, smaller bid for the sense of um, if you have three fours, that is weaker than three fives. But if you have four fours, that is better than three fives. And what you're doing throughout this game, I won't explain it all, but you're trying to guess other people's dice and outbid them saying you have the best underneath your cup. Okay. So it's like a betting game. And as long as you explain it to your players, walk them through it beforehand, then you're like, all right, this game 
is the practice round, and then after that, this is you playing against the bad guy. Can you actually beat him? That will actually challenge the wits and intelligence of your players. When it gets very competitive, too. Yes. Which is fun. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. A game within a game. Yeah. <laughs> it's memorable. It'll make people memorize it. Like, because it, what they're gonna remember for the rest of their life is my barbarian beat the barkeep in Uno one time yeah. in, in, in a campaign. Like, they might not even remember the campaign itself, but they'll always remember that moment. Oh, they call him Rogar the Rainmaker. <laughs> I had to buy an extra beer when I lost. Like low stakes. <laughs> Why not? Low stakes. You think it's all the world, and I'm just like. Three silver isn't much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall, changing up your games, adding different elements like that. It's all fun and games, you know. Go at your own pace. Do what you think is available. I had this ambitious idea that I never finished with the Magic the Gathering thing, but throwing a deck of Uno cards at the table every once in a while, that's a good way to break up your normality whenever you have a game. You gotta keep your players on their feet so that they stay engaged. That's what you were talking about with memorable. Yeah, just a lot of fun. Adds a lot of character, adds a lot of style. I definitely have my own style. I've broken style for Starfinder recently, trying to do something new, but I do have a specific style that I play in. I don't have a style. You'll get a style. <laughs> I know that you'll get a style. In fact, uh, well, yesterday, when we were about to play Starfinder together, you made a brief comment about the one day when you'll get to be a dungeon master. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I most certainly am. Someday. Someday. <laughs> no pressure, bro. No, it, it'll be fun. <laughs> I know we've had barely any time to get to the recording booth, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think that's all that I got for today. <laughs> today was random. Today is a Man. little bit of a bunny trail, I'd have to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. It was a long night yesterday. Yeah, it's all right. What I cherish about this is that with this collage of ideas, I'm just going to have to sit here and listen to the recording and decide, what is the title of this crazy thing? <laughs> what are we even talking about? <laughs> Abstract thoughts. <laughs> Five o'clock thoughts. <laughs> Five o'clock shadows. <laughs> Five o'clock shadows. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Oh. What keeps you up at night? Questions. D&D <laughs> &D questions that keep you up at night. <laughs> Can you play Uno? Do Dragonborn have tails? <laughs> so dumb. Are Catfolk banned? <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll be back with more wonderful, fruitful thoughts for the rest of you listeners later. But thanks again for listening. This has been Ross. And Tagoda. See you guys later. See you around.